0: So good to be back after the crazy Easter blitz. So good to reconnect with you all um, and spend time in the word of God today. I will be in Luke chapter 17. So I want to encourage you to go there if you are here for the first time. This is the Read and Rant where we spend about 20 minutes reading through scripture and then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on the scripture. We just go as the Lord leads. Nothing prepared, nothing planned, off the cuff. And we're live right now on Discord. And it's exciting to come together and to spend some time. It's been a while. As you guys know, we've been on the hustle. We're church planning right now in Tampa. And um, and yeah, man, it's been a journey <clears throat> over the past few weeks. And so uh, it's good to get back in the word with you all. I love the scripture. I love spending time in the scripture, and so I'm I'm engaged every day in the word, but I love spending time with you all, really, truly. I love spending time with you all in the scripture. I also want to say really quickly before I get in to our reading today as we prayerfully read through this text, I also want to say thank you to all the patrons, all of you guys who support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. For all of you who support us, I want to say thank you. You guys have been patient through this journey. I know I tend to post, you know, a few videos and prayers and not, well, not videos, but audio and prayers on Discord just to stay connected with you all. But you guys have been patient and supportive. And I also am encouraged uh, by the words of encouragement by you all, be it on Discord, be it on Patreon. Thank you so much for your support. Um, your support is what makes all of this possible. And so I'm grateful for you. Grateful for you. Grateful that God has brought you alongside us. And if you are considering supporting on Patreon, it is patreon.com slash Isaac Fair. And if not, just follow us on Discord. If you can't do it right now, that's perfectly fine. I was doing this before y'all supported it, and I'll keep doing it whether you support or not. But the fact that you support really is encouraging. And I know this episode comes is available to you guys right away. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I would like to spend time in the word, y'all. So we're going to read through Luke chapter 17. Um, we're going to pray. And the three questions that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. Second question we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? So with that said, we're going to get right into the word. We're going to dig right in and we're going to see where the Lord takes us today as we read from Luke 17 on. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, Lord, I just pray that you would bless this moment. Lord, bless us, Lord, as we engage in your word. Father, we pray, Lord, that we would be inspired. Lord, that we would be led by your spirit. Lord, that we would um, Lord, hear from you today as we read your word Lord, bless this moment lord let it not be us imposing ourselves on the text but father impose on us impress your wisdom your knowledge your will your grace upon us as we read your word today lord and we say that in jesus name amen let's get to it y'all the book of luke the doctor the gospel from the doctor, the good doctor. Anybody seen that show? The good doctor. <laughs> Luke chapter 17 says this Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, then that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Hmm. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once, sit down and eat. But he will not rather say to him, prepare something for my dinner and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk. And afterward, you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all those things which I commanded you, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were leopards who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. And none of them went, he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his sorry on his face at his feet. Sorry, and one of them, let me read that one more time, verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees, Hold on, sorry. My apologies. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God will come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to the disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the son of men and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here. Or look there, do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part of the heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things, and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out to Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, Will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed? In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The other, the one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to him, <clears throat> Where, Lord? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Chapter 18, verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now when he was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because of this Will he really find faith on earth? Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but be his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come unto me and do not forbid them. For such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Now, a certain ruler asked him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know, the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became sorrowful, he said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. So Peter said, we have left all and followed you. And he said to them, assuredly, I say to you, there's no one. Who has left house or parents or brothers or sisters or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God. Who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come. Goodness gracious. Sorry, guys. I got too lit right there. Flip the page. Verse 31 Then he took the 12 aside and said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the son of man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not know these things which were spoken. Then it happened. As he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging and heard a multitude passing by. He asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who went before him warned him that they should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him saying, what do you want me to do? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people saw it and gave praise to God. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him for he was going to pass that way. Then Jesus came to the place. He looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all complained saying, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusations, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, "Today salvation has come to this house because he is also because he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Then he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he prepared 10 servants and received to them 10 minas or minus and said to them, do business till I come. But this, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man reign over us. So, and so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom. He then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him. Then he might know how much every man had gained by trading. And he came to the first saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas. And he said to them, well done, good servant, because you are faithful with very little. Have authority over 10 cities. The second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. He Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept, put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you do not deposit and reap what you do not sow. And he said to him, out of your mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not. So why then did you not put my money in the bank? That at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. He said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has 10. But they said to him, Master, he has 10 minas. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Hmm. Verse 19 at verse 28. And when he said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent his two disciples saying, go into the village opposite you where you enter and you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent their way found and found it just as he had said to them. But they were loosing the colt, and the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing this colt? Sorry, but as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus. And they threw their clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should be kept silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make your peace, make for your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes for the days will come when sorry for the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment around you, surround you and close in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Then he went to the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything for all the people were very attentive to hear him. I'm going to... Stop right here, if you would allow. And of course, with the time that has been provided to us, there is no way we can unpack everything we just read just now. There's so much, so much to unpack, and so little time. <laughs> And that's okay. That's okay. Because we're not here to go into a an exhaustive, comprehensive Bible study. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to meditate. We're here to prayerfully read through the scripture. We're here to read and ask the Lord, even today in this moment, Lord, what are you saying to me today? This is really... You know, in in every sense of the term, I can say this with as much confidence as I possibly can on this particular morning with the energy that the Lord has given me. If I can muster up all of it to say to you that this is the most important thing you can do. It's the most important thing for your spiritual life. And by consequence, it's the most important thing for all of your life. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What flows through your spirit is the issues of life. What flows out of the heart is the issues of life. And so if there's a, you know, a situation, something happening in your marriage, in your finances, um, in your relationships, in your church, in your career, Understand that your spirit plays a primary factor to how those things transpire in your life. Your spirit takes priority. This is spiritual maintenance. Say that one more time. This is spiritual maintenance. And you must endeavor to do this is to read the word. Read it. Read it like your life depends on it. Read it like it's food. Read it like everything, like it, like everything in it matters for your soul and for your spirit. Remember what Jeremiah says, he said, your words came and I ate them. That's what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 16. Your words came and I ate them. It is your nourishment. This is why you eat every day. You eat every day to sustain your body. Therefore, you should read every day to sustain your spirit. Say that one more time. You eat every day to sustain your body. So you should read every day to sustain your spirit. So whether or not we're doing a reading rant on that day, take some time and just read. And as in really what the reading rant does is it just provides you an opportunity to eavesdrop into what meditational reading looks like. It looks like me spending time with my Heavenly Father with the help of the Holy Spirit when I read the word. And so it isn't <clears throat> specifically or intentionally Bible study, there's a place for that. I look forward to doing it with you guys on Sunday. Right? I look forward to engaging in Bible study with you. But remember, having full knowledge of the word is not enough. It must take a deposit and a place in your spirit. You must eat the word. And said so, so today. And the reason why I'm using this analogy, and this is just to help you, as we, you know, share just a few thoughts uh, regarding today's reading. If you understand the scriptures as food, then you'll understand how to consume it. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Sometimes we get stuck on verses or we get stuck on a word. Sometimes we get stuck on, wait, 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 what did that mean? Oh, I can't move on until I know what that means. Well, first you have to start by just consuming the food, right? You don't, you don't eat a meal and sit around and think about, well, you know, what's that ingredient? There's an ingredient in there. There's something in there. I, I can't, there's something in there. What is that? What is that thing in there? Is that, is that paprika? Is that pepper? Is it Laurie's? Is that Maggie? What, what's that? What's that extra thing? What What's the, and so we spent, you could spend so much time trying to think about what the ingredients are and how it was made that you miss out on just enjoying that time. And this is why I do this with you all right? Because sometimes we get stuck. (laughs) We get stuck, but we won't be stuck today. We're going to spend time on the Word. And again, read it. Even if you read and you don't know, you just read and then close it. Feed your soul. (laughs) Feed your spirit. Feed your soul. There are a lot of things that we can gather from this text and really it begins in Luke chapter 16. I know that we read Luke chapter 17 but it really begins in Luke chapter 16 where we see the parable of the unjust steward. We see where justice is being um, um, established, where righteousness is being established and we see there that in the parable of the unjust steward we see the issue of unforgiveness from the unjust steward. And in the end, we see that he, he speaks, he says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one or love the other or also be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And of course, this is, <clears throat> this is, of course, within the context of righteousness and justice because justice and righteousness are both, uh, the same thing according to God. And of course, where there's righteousness, there's justice. Where there's justice, there's a law. And so now we see that the law, and, I'm sorry, and where there's a law, there is a kingdom. And so the kingdom has a law, that law establishes justice, which establishes righteousness. <clears throat> the prosecutors of the law, the speakers of the law, the prophets, they declare and proclaim the law they proclaimed the law and they proclaimed the truth of the law to those who needed to receive the law to be convicted by the law to be convicted by the morality the righteousness of god prophets were not popular and so we see how if you notice through the text now luke takes us first from this parable of the unjust steward to now the establishment of the law and the prophets and then of course And then, of course, he uses the analogy of marriage. I don't, I don't know if we talked about that before, but the analogy of marriage is really speaking as to what we've seen even throughout the um, Old Testament where we saw the pic, the picture of marriage and God being one with his people and his people being one with him. He called their sin and their idolatry adultery because he was one with them. And so the imagery of marriage is one that is portrayed all throughout the Old Testament. And so when he says, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and who he, he who marries his wife marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. We, we automatically simply think about our institution of marriage as we define it, not within the context of what Jesus is actually speaking about, which is holistically, from a broad perspective, Jesus is talking about Israel and God and Yahweh. He's talking about Israel, Yahweh. Of course, we miss that because we're too busy thinking about the law uh, from a legalistic Western perspective, right? And that's the problem. We miss what the scriptures are actually pointing to. Now, the scriptures are actually pointing to Christ. We miss what the scriptures are pointing to, that the scriptures are pointing to the finished work of Christ. And so we're so legalistic in the way that we look at the text. And the way that we look at the scripture, that we miss the whole purpose of the law, which was to bring evidence to the righteousness of God. This is why Western Christianity can be so upside down, so convoluted and so backwards, because even when we talk about grace, we talk about grace from a legalistic perspective. We talk about grace from legalism and because we talk about it from legalism, even then we miss it. Another conversation for another day. And then, of course, Jesus leads us into chapter 17. And we begin to see the mechanism by which God's law is being justified. What is it? Being made righteous. How to go about fulfilling righteousness through God's law, which is perfect, which is good which is pure, which is holy, which is righteous. And Jesus says something really powerful at the beginning. He says, it is impossible that no offenses should come, which I think is a really powerful statement. Quick little side note there before I go into my rant. Really, really powerful statement. I mean, I want you to think about this for a second. And this is for all the church folk who who, who leave churches because they're offended by people. Um, Or this is for all the people who... You know, have an issue with forgiving other people and forgiving people who've offended them. I want you to look at something real quick. If you look at that text, it says it is impossible. Notice this is the God of the impossible. You know that throughout the scripture, there's only one thing that God says is impossible? <laughs> like, think about it. the God of the impossible, of all the things that are in Im- that, that God can do, the one thing he says that is impossible. He says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. He he literally says, if you hang around Christians for long enough, you're going to get offended. If you hang around Christians for long enough, they're going to sin against you. They're going to sin against you. If you hang around Christians... For long enough, I have people who will say, man, I can't be around Christians because we automatically assume that because they're Christian, they're perfect. Well, if it took them to be perfect to be Christian, then you can't be Christian because even you are being perfected. I heard this one uh, speaker say this. You might've seen this post, but I thought it was really powerful when he said, When he said, when you go to the gym, you don't walk out of the gym because you see the gym is full of fat people. Just because there's a bunch of overweight people in the gym doesn't make you walk out like, oh my gosh, I hate this gym because there's a bunch of overweight people in the gym. Hello, they're in the gym because they're overweight. (laughs) I need to go to the gym. (coughs) They're in church because they're being perfected. They're in the body of believers because the Lord is doing a work in them. And often, people have this way or this standard for believers and for Christians that they don't have for the rest of the world. And they say, well, Christians are held to a higher standard. Hold up. Christians are still being made righteous. They're still, sorry, they're they're righteous, but they're still being made holy. Please do not confuse righteousness and holiness. Ooh, this is gonna get tough oh but we're quick to judge people we're quick to criticize people in the church holding them to a standard and the Holy Spirit is still working and so when he says because holiness is the finality of, of what Christ does in us we are being made holy every day We are being perfected. And those of us who are being perfected. And so he says, and if he sins against you seven times in a day, then seven times in a day, he returns to you saying, I repent. You shall forgive him. Man, is that weird? Is it not? I'm getting to my point. That was a quick little side note. Notice that what Jesus spends most of his time and energy preaching about is the kingdom of God. The law of God, the kingdom of God. Jesus spends time speaking about the kingdom. And notice what it takes for us to come into the kingdom. Jesus says in verse 20. When the Pharisees who ask him. When the kingdom of God. Sorry. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees. When the kingdom of God would come. When they asked him. He said hold on. You think that the kingdom of God comes with observation. You, you, You think. That the kingdom of God comes with an announcement the announcement has already been made that's what we started I started with that that the kingdom of God is here and he said in those who receive him they won't say that it's here or it's there what they're going to reveal Is that the kingdom is something that is within a person. The kingdom of God is within you. Remember, we've been preaching about this for a while. Y'all, y'all been hanging with me for a while. You know, we have a gospel message now that's legalistic, right? That has, there's this law, right? That we were just talking about. And for those of you who break the law, Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. And because Jesus Christ fulfilled the law, You know, all the rules that we broke that, you know, you know, gave us a ticket out of heaven. Now, through the blood of Jesus, we have a ticket into heaven. And that's usually how we preach the gospel. We preach the gospel from the perspective of of from just the law, from a legalistic perspective. And that's all we see. And so then the gospel becomes about what Jesus did, what I what he needed to do in order for me to go into heaven. Even the hyper grace people are legalistic. Even the hyper grace people, you know, the ones that say you can do whatever you want now. Doesn't matter. The rules don't matter. You can break all the rules and live however way you want to live because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And so break all the rules. It doesn't matter because through Jesus Christ, you're going to get into heaven. Hello. It's not about the rules. It's not about the rules. It's about Christ. It's actually about Jesus. And so we're waiting to go to heaven. And so when we hear about the kingdom of God, oh, Jesus speaking about the kingdom of God, so many people talk about the kingdom of God as heaven like this is the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is you know I can't wait to go into the kingdom of God fam the kingdom of God is not something we wait for the kingdom of God is within you it's within you And if the kingdom of God is within you, then you're bringing the kingdom where you work, where you live, where you pray. Did you hear me? You bring the kingdom of God where you live, where you work, where you pray, the kingdom comes with you wherever you go. The kingdom of God is in you. <laughs> Wait, but I'm, I'm waiting to go. No, you, you, there's nowhere to go. It's It's with you. It's here now. Notice, Jesus spends more time talking about the kingdom than anything else. And if the kingdom of God isn't in you, then you are in hell. There's a hell that we are all born into, we are born in spiritual death. But in Christ is life. Scriptures tell us that he is the light in the life of all mankind. And some people may be asking, and here's where the challenge is, is how then do I allow this kingdom to come in? How how, how do I how do I allow this kingdom to come in? Like how, how I'm hearing you say that this kingdom is in me, but like, how do I do that? Like, how, how do I, how, how does that, what does that look like? How is that lived out? You know, how, how, how does that, how, how does that work? Faith. Faith gives us access to the kingdom. Say that one more time. It is faith that gives us access. This is why we see this this the, the coincidence of faith and kingdom being spoken. Faith is what gives us access to the kingdom, and those who are in the kingdom are righteous. This is why, in verse five, when the apostles, it's funny that, the, that here. It, Use the term apostles and not disciples, because of course, by the time this was written, they weren't the disciples of Jesus anymore. Well, they were still disciples, of course, but they were now apostles. And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Ready for this? There are there are many of us who are saying, Okay, I need to, I need to muster up faith. I have to muster up faith to get into the kingdom that's what yeah that's what I need but he's like no you don't need to muster up faith you have the faith of a mustard seed it doesn't take that much just a little bit of faith will do it (sighs) like and, and so when we see that analogy, when he says, if you have faith of the Russell seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in the field, come at once and sit down and eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper, gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat or, and drink. But he thanked the servant because he did the things that were commanded him. I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all those things which I commanded you, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. He's saying you can work and work and work. You can hustle, 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 hustle. You can muster, 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 muster. And yet what gives you access is faith. Does anybody understand where I'm at? They're saying increase our faith, and Jesus is saying you have enough. Like this, you don't you don't need a lot. Just mustard seed faith. We want mustard tree faith, but He's saying no. You 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 just need mustard seed faith. That's why then he reveals the kingdom to the lepers and not to the the lepers being cleansed. And it was noticed the Samaritan leper who he says, arise, go your way. He says, your faith has made you well. There's a reason why he points out that it was a Samaritan that came back because a Samaritan is not the one who was the heir of the kingdom. You see what they thought of when they thought about the kingdom of God, when they thought about who the heir of the kingdom ought to be, and ought not to be the heir of the kingdom, were the, the Israelites, they were the heirs, not the Samaritans. And yet here is a Samaritan who's reaping the benefits of the kingdom. Why? Because his faith made him well. Jesus healed him, but it was by his faith that Jesus Healed him. Notice, Jesus didn't say, "I made you well." Jesus said to him, "Your faith has made you well." Here's what's crazy about that text. People sometimes miss it, and so maybe I can help you here. Just think about this for a second, because notice we're talking about faith here today. This is the, this is the the big challenge of today's generation. Faith is the challenge. We're we're big on spirituality, but are we big on faith? Notice, family. All 10 lepers were cleansed. All 10 lepers glorified God. Sorry, not all 10 lepers glorified God. All 10 lepers were cleansed and were healed. All 10 lepers, at least the nine, sorry, went to go show themselves to the priest. Why did the nine go to the priest? I'm all over the place. Stay with me here. Why did the nine go to the priest? Because that's what religion tells them to do. The nine went to the priest because that was the law. The nine were the Israelites. If you go back again and you'll study, if you if you, if we go back to the reading rant and and read through the book of Leviticus and see the rules that pertain to those who were lepers, that if they were cleansed of their leprosy, they would go to the priest. The priest would examine them, and once they were examined, if they were approved, if the priest had approved them. And declared them cleansed. Stay with me. If the priest declared them cleansed, then they would be clean. And they weren't clean until the priest told them that they were clean. So they were healed, but they needed to go to the priest in order to be declared clean. And so the nine ran to the priest. Of course, Jesus said, go Show yourselves to the priest. And so, and again, this is for the fulfillment of the law. So as they went, they were cleansed. They're on their way to the priest. That was a step of faith. But one of them, when he was healed, returned and returned back to Jesus. Glorified God and gave him thanks. The Samaritan was not under the law as Israel was under the law. And yet the Samaritan experienced grace because the Samaritan had faith. Jesus says to him, arise, go your way. He didn't say go back to the priest because the Samaritan had already gone. To the priest the high priest the one mediator between god and man jesus christ god in flesh he went to the priest <laughs> and the lepers who that's right it's lepers <laughs> But they were all cleansed, but one was made right. One was declared clean. By what? Not the priest. By what? Their faith. I hope somebody sees this, and I hope this helps a lot of you. You don't need the approval of a priest. You don't need to go to a, 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 a confession. You don't have to go to a priest and confess your sins to a priest. You don't have to go. This is for those who grew up on Catholicism. I know a lot of you have. And you were told that you have to go to a priest. And it was an annual thing where every year you would go to the priest and you would, some people would do it regularly. And to be absolved and forgiven of their sins, they would have to go to the priest. That is Old Testament law. There is no priest that you must go to. As a matter of fact, the scriptures tell us that we are the royal priesthood. Second Peter. Together with Christ, one in Christ, we are the royal priesthood. What gave you access to this? Faith. Whoo, faith is a crazy thing. Crazy for so many of us. It is easy and so profoundly difficult. So many want to experience the kingdom. So many want to see the kingdom. So many people don't understand what it means to have faith. Faith is active, faith is not passive. Faith is not believing in an idea. Faith is submitting and leaning on a truth. Faith is trusting even when there's still a level of uncertainty. And every day we all take acts of faith. There's some of you right now, you're on faith just making sure you don't even know if your car is going to make it through the week, but you hop in it. You're not entirely sure if if. This week's going to get figured out, but you go about your day. There's so much uncertainty in life. Faith is not one that manifests itself and flexes in the place of guarantees and certainties. No, faith is flexed in uncertainty. And so many of us are waiting for enough evidence and information to have faith. question is, do we have faith? It's not, do I have enough Bible? Do I know enough? Let me tell you something right now. The Bible without faith is pointless. It's pointless. Faith can be increased. Faith can grow. But none of this matters if you don't have faith. And what we're seeing here is we're seeing how the kingdom is made manifest within us. It is made manifest by faith. What does the scripture tell us? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Like we miss that. It's like, Lord, I want to please you. How much Bible? God's like, have faith. How is the kingdom made manifest? Faith. What is the currency of the kingdom? Faith. Faith. And the question is, is do we live a life believing? Do we live a life trusting? Because faith is not just believing, it's believing and trusting him. Do I, do I live a life trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Do I live a life expecting? I love that, Mary. All ten were healed. All ten lepers were made clean on their way. They all received forgiveness of sins. Faith brought that Samaritan leper to a righteous relationship with Jesus. What did John the Baptist say? He said, here comes the son of man who came to take away the sins of the world. And I know this is a wild concept and a wild idea, but family, the sins of the world have already been taken away but I see people who are sinning and committing evil and committing all these things. Yes, and they have been taken away. They've been paid for, covered by the blood of Jesus. Every sin on the planet that is being committed has been covered by the blood of Jesus. The question is how many will return back to Jesus? The one who covers the sins and the blemishes. faith. Faith. Notice everyone, he tells He tells the, the blind man, your faith has made you well. He told the leper, it was your faith that made you well. Access to the kingdom of God is faith. A kingdom of God made in you, revealed in you is faith. Y'all already see where I'm at today. I'm not asking, do you know? My question is, do you believe? Do you believe? Remember Matthew, when the man said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. How many of us need that? Like just the little things you do throughout your day, what does it, it manifest? What does it proclaim? What is it testifying? Is it testifying of your faith? Or is it testifying of your doubt? The miracle of the kingdom of God, the work of the kingdom of God is by faith. Last thing. Have imagination that is so imaginative that your faith is unmovable and unshakable. That sounds almost dangerous. That if the currency of the kingdom of God is faith, then the ATM is the imagination. Faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. If we would have the faith of little children, the beauty of being a parent is you get to learn the faith of a little child. My daughter right now, she worries about nothing, complains about everything, of course. She's two years old, but she worries about nothing. Worries about nothing. <laughs> she doesn't sit there and go, man, is the light bill going to be paid this week? <laughs> she doesn't worry about, man, is the water bill going to be paid? I remember when it was, what, maybe three, three years ago. When we had no power and no water. <laughs> Praying, you know, child services don't show up because they would take our kids away from us if they did And of course, I'm over here thinking, okay, how am I going to get this water bill paid? What am I going to do? My children look they're like, oh, my power's cut off. They weren't stressing for some reason. They were just trusting mom and dad. there's anything that was transferred to them, it was the fact that we weren't trusting in God enough at that time. Faith. Faith of a child. And that's why he says, "Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it you want faith become a child you want the kingdom of God become a child last thing I'm sorry i'm going away I'm going over time now last thing and then we'll pray <clears throat> I can usually discern the people who move powerfully by the grace of God. The people who have this just inspired power by the grace of God. They tend to be very, very childlike. They're childlike in their countenance. They're childlike in their spirit. They're childlike in the way they go about life. It's not even that they have an innocence about them. They're just childlike. They're humble. They have a humility, a childlike humility. There's just this blind trust that they have in God. This confidence that God is with them. And man, do they move powerfully through that. I pray that for each and every one of you that you would become as a child. It took me a while to get here, but that's okay. That you become as a child, having the faith of a child, a small faith that can do big things. A childlike faith that makes you trust completely in him with everything. the childlike faith that removes our anxiety and our stress. The childlike faith to say, God, you put me here. So God, I'm just gonna have to trust you right now. The childlike faith that says, Lord, I trust you with my righteousness. Because my righteousness is your righteousness. Your righteousness is my righteousness. I trust you with that. God, I trust you with my growth spiritually. I leave that to you. I'm trusting you. Lord, I'm trusting you with my marriage. I'm I'm, going to submit. I'm going to humble myself as a child. I'm going to listen, remove my pride, and just trust you. I'm not going to push my agenda and narrative because I'm a child before you. Let's have childlike faith. Because childlike faith gives us access to the kingdom of God. Father, grant us childlike faith. Give us the what faith of a mustard seed. Man, the things that a mustard seed faith can do. Father, even as we are like the apostles asking to increase our faith. Father, give us the gift of childlike faith. Father, reveal the kingdom of God that is in each and every one of us by our faith in you. Bless us today, Lord, as we navigate through the day. And let us be reminded, Lord, that the kingdom is not a a future aspiration, but a present reality. One that is initiated and instigated by our childlike faith. So bless us today. Lead us today guide us today. We say that in Jesus' name. Amen.